Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 584. Currently on a theatrical tour across North America is Hundreds of Beavers, a 19th century set slapstick epic that focuses on a formal Applejack salesman transition into a heroic fur trapper. A beautifully crafted and performed blend of Looney Tunes madness, physical, physical comedy gags, and silent film artistry, Hundreds of Beavers exemplifies the high ingenuity found in indie cinema. And joining me now is the director of Hundreds of Beavers, Mike Chesnick, and also his star, Ryland Brixton Cole Hughes. These two men also, also wrote the movie. And look, it's just so great to have you both here. How are you both? Doing great. Doing great. Happy to, that we could find time to talk to you in, in the middle of our little road trip across America. Uh, thanks so much for having us, Matthew. i got to ask first thing. So I watched this movie uh, at home on my computer, on my screen, big screen, not a theater, not a theater screen. What's it like to watch a movie like Hundreds of Beavers with a audience um, to see the film that you've been working on for the last four years, Mike, and uh, finally like, have it out there and uh, for people to uh, to watch it and to consume it and laugh at it uh, and hit those uh, laugh beats that I'm sure you anticipated they would do. Well, yeah, just uh, that's the moment where you finally find out if the jokes are working and, uh, you know, in a drama, I guess you have to just sit there in silence and wonder if people are liking it. But for a comedy, there is just a binary, did they like it or didn't they like the joke that happens every 30 seconds. So uh, it is good to you know collect evidence, uh, evidence of failure or evidence of success uh, in a comedy screening. And also, you know, comedies are better with groups, uh, ideally if it's a bunch of drunk people. <laughs> but uh, in that way, yeah, this kind of film was really made for an audience. And after sitting indoors, working on visual effects shots for years, it's a pleasure to actually be near some human beings and hear that these gags we've worked on for so long are sometimes uh, operating correctly. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'd say some of the gags are getting laughs. Yeah, absolutely. No, audiences have been loving it, uh, which is very satisfying for us. And uh, yeah, if you're able to see it in the theater, you know, like you said, we're on this Great Lakes Roadshow uh and it's also uh screening all over uh the u.s right now too uh so if you do get the chance to see it on the big screen uh between now and sort of the end of march uh, you should absolutely try to get your local theater and check it out but you know again if you know if you can only see it on the small screen uh that's quite all right too we just want to try to get as many people to see this movie because it's a movie that we think plays for you know people of all ages all backgrounds and belief systems and nationalities. So um, yeah, we've just been having a lot of fun with it because uh, seemingly everyone has been uh, getting, a, getting a kick out of it. And you I gotta say, it. I gotta say even age groups because I was watching it in my office and I was laughing, my, my kids who thankfully you've gone back to school today, but during the school holidays, they came up to my office and saw what I was laughing at. And they, even though the music, uh, I had my headphones on just by looking at the visual gags and the representation of the physical comedy, they were cracking up, they loved it as well. I think, uh, yeah, group uh, at, watching a movie at home can still be a group movie. I would definitely say uh, if you're watching it on the small screen, you should gather some friends. Um, that goes for any comedy, not just this silly thing we did. Yeah, but uh, no, that's great to hear, though, because uh, even though the movie has such a amazing sound design and, and the, the music is so great, it is one of those things where you can just put it on on silence in the background, too, and really get a kick out of it. So. It works on a lot of different levels and like I said, a lot of different age groups. So it's been it's been fun uh, seeing the older crowd really get into it and then just, you know, 
really little kids loving it and, and seeing uh, us in the mascot costumes at these different uh, theatrical screenings and taking pictures and stuff. Mike, I've got to ask, when it comes to putting this film together, like in its initial stages, like the, the pre-production kind of writing stage, from what I understand, you guys had three binders of storyboards which you put together for this movie. How does that kind of come about, though? Do you discuss things? Um, uh, um, do you share notes? Who does, is there an issue? Where does the initial idea come from? How does that kind of spring into kind of like the, the whole story in, to the point where you're ready to put um, uh, visuals on the storyboard? Well, I'll tell you all the materials we used. We had a pair of scissors and a printer, and we printed out a two-page treatment, and we cut up each line of the treatment. And then yeah. all the other little ideas we had were placed within this basic Joseph Campbell hero journey. And they were all little drawings on note cards or little strips of paper with written ideas. And you wind up with a floor full of paper taped to each other that you can move around like a puzzle. Ah, uh, this gag doesn't go there. It goes here. And we're doing it visually with little cutouts of paper. Then once that's kind of locked, you tape it down. You've got your basic storyboard, which is like, I don't know, four big poster boards. Yeah. So you need to buy a poster board. You, got, you, need, a, you need scotch tape. You would need scissors for this all to work out. And, uh, you know, God willing, you'd have a printer. Uh, so we were, able to, we were able to put that together. And then once it's all taped down in these five poster boards of all the gag ideas, then I go into Storyboard Pro made by Toon Boom who makes the, you know, Harmony, the, the kind of software that all the television animations made with now. And then in their storyboard software, I draw the movie and edit it to music. Mm -hmm. Am I lying? No, that, that, that about checks out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this movie could have only been made in that way. You couldn't have just written a traditional script for this movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, first of all, there's no dialogue, uh, but also we just needed to visually see when we were out in the wilderness shooting this thing exactly how we were supposed to make these uh, particular frames, you know, these particular shots look. And so it was really helpful to have Mike's storyboards out there. Um, yeah, because the animatic is, you know, two hours set to music. And then that each of those shots is printed out onto PDFs. And so we just had an actual, you know, it's this thick, three binders of a basically a printout of the animatic in paper form. So if you were going to make a film, like we did, you would also need a binder and waterproof uh, sleeves for the paper. So, you know, I don't want to say anyone can make a film. You would need those office supplies to do it. Yes, it's very important, especially for shooting one in the snow. You must have these, these storyboards covered by a protective cover because uh, we were out there with uh, about four or five guys. And a lot of times you're just in the middle of the snow and there's nowhere to put your binder. So you just got to chuck it in the snow and just pray mm -hmm. that it doesn't get ruined. So directing for me was mostly pointing at these little drawings and say, make it look my, like my little drawing. And then this doesn't look like my little drawing. <laughs> that looks like my little drawing. Next shot. Yeah, there wasn't much room for me to improvise either. If I improvised one bit and it wasn't like Mike's drawing, I would be screamed at and humiliated on set. This isn't funny like my little drawing was funny. <laughs> that, was, that, was his, that was his main direction for me. He, he would get laughs sometimes. And I would say, this, what the hell are you all laughing at? This isn't a little drawing. This is some bit a human's doing. Where's my little drawing? Yeah, so acting was basically like, act, I, oh, oh, that's right. I'm a cartoon character. I'm not a human. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I really love about Hundreds of Beavis is that what you guys have really got, got with this movie is that when it comes to the art of silly, um, 
it's not something that you just pull off like a like a rabbit out of a hat. There's there's things behind that. Some of the best movies of all time, some of my favorite silly movies, uh, Three Amigos, um, this is Spinal Tap, you know. These movies that rely on these really cool gags, sometimes slapstick stuff as well, even if, going back to times of, of the silent films, which I, I know you are definitely fans of, considering the movie as well. It takes hard work to really pull it off. Um, and from what it sounds of it, a lot of that hard work has to come from being as pre-prepared as you can and efficient as you can. So when you come to North Wisconsin, we're in North Michigan and there's snow and everything else, you can try to get done stuff as efficiently as you can so you can get your shots in go back uh, into the editing room. Is that pretty much uh, where I'm touching on here saying on the right wavelength? Yeah, that's totally correct. You're just too cold or you don't have the resources to waste everybody's time. You know, for us, it was just four guys in the woods with a DSLR and uh, we're cold and you're not going to think of anything creative in the cold. You got to mm -hmm. just, it's just labor, just execute the gag you came to execute yeah. and go home. It was like, you know, we weren't even laughing on set. You know, it was just kind of like, once we actually captured the gag, it was just more like, correct, gag has been executed well, moving on. You know, because again, not only the cold uh, and how deep the snow is, uh, but also, you know, you get up early in the morning, but it's still dark out until, mm. you know, 8, 9 a.m. So that's the time. Okay, now we have a little daylight. Now we can shoot. And okay, we only have so, so much time because the sun goes down at like 4 p.m., so we had just to be like very um, strict about what shots we needed to get that day. Yeah, and it's amazing when you execute something correctly, how little pleasure it brings you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to uh, ask about um, stuff in Ryland when it comes to the physical comedy in the, in the movie. Um, it is very much a silent film, um, but to me, the language is in the action. The action is, is like the way you're communicating to the viewer. And I think some of the greats all the way from Buster Keaton to Jackie Chan, they kind of got that. They're masters of of action as uh, as language. Um, when you try, when you do that yourself on screen, and you're doing these physical comedy gags and such, um, how do you approach um, your action, uh, physical comedy action on on the screen? And how do you know when you've hit the right tone um, of that um, of that physical uh, part of your of your performance? Because you, you could always be, uh, you can always go a little too over the top, and it won't work too down, um, too little, and it won't won't communicate, it won't communicate to the, the audience as efficiently as you hope people would. So, how do you know when you got that sweet spot? Um, is it just up to uh, to Mike to tell you when you so, or can you feel feel that intuitively within yourself? Yeah, it's a little bit when Mike tells me what's what's, you know, uh, too big or not big enough. I mean, again, a lot of it was like keeping in mind that I'm like playing a cartoon character sort of and just striking poses that mm. were that read really clearly. Um, you know, guys, you mentioned like Chaplin and, and Becky Chan, they do these or like uh, Toshiro Mifuni was really good at this too. You know, he just would uh, either like a big, like striking a big pose or like having uh, a sort of, you know, uh, reaction on his face, whatever it might be, it has to read like so quickly you know, just because there's so much in this movie, too. So uh, any sort of action I was doing on screen, it would have to, like, convey something very clearly to the audience. Um, so whenever I was acting and I wasn't doing something big enough or I tried to convey something that didn't come across, you know, in an instant, then Mike would say, you know, make it bigger or, like, strike a bigger pose this, you know, this way or that way. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much how we went about it. And then, and then once Mike and I sort of were on that same 
wavelength, then we, you know, were able to, then, then I sort of got it, you know, I was sort of like, okay, Mike, again, it's just, but again, it's a little bit different than normal acting because you have yeah. to constantly keep in mind, like you're a cartoon character, you know, you're like a puppet for Mike's like, you know, drawings basically. And know? we're, and we're stuck in a master. We can't cut around. So Ryland's timing is the edit and it has, I can do a little speed ramping or whatever, but mm -hmm. like, you know, he's the editor. If we're in this master and he has to communicate four or five ideas in a row in one master that has no coverage on it, his timing and his choices are the edit. He's defining the pace of the movie. So we're approaching it uh, more like an engineer than a, than like he has to actually feel emotions. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Fandango. Get the latest showtimes, guarantee tickets, browse Rotten Tomatoes scores, and watch trailers with Fandango, the number one movie ticketing app. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Gift Card Store. Australia's leading provider of gift cards, Gift Card Store offers a variety of prepaid MasterCard and Visa cards in physical or e-card format. You can even design your own card as the ultimate personalized gift. With Gift Card Store, you can gift the gift you know they will love. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. So when you hit post, Mike, and um, from what I understand, we're looking at like a use of editing with what you got here. Um, what I love about this movie is that it goes to like an hour 45, but it feels like that because of the energy, the pace, the cuts. Um, how do you kind of achieve that, those energy and the pace that you talked about before, the performance, what you got live on camera, but once you get all those components into the editing room, how do you go about getting that, that pacing right? So when you do those quick edits and you, you bring it, put it all together, um, you, and you're still able to um, maintain that energy throughout the movie, because even though this is a film where ironically enough, the, um, the main character goes through quite a dramatic arc throughout the movie. He loses everything. He becomes he becomes something else. He falls in love. He turns into this hero at the end. The the pacing of the film is just consistently fast, funny, sharp cuts, um, and really engaging as well. Well, thanks for saying that. I know it's long, and I appreciate you getting through it, and I appreciate you liking the pacing. Uh, don't you just can't do all your editing in the editing room? You have to do your editing in the writing and in the performance, and you have to be thinking about how to make this. A, a movie that people can't look away from. Not only moving quickly, because it's not just about going fast, it's about uh, opening brackets and and opening questions that the audience knows will be answered later, setting things up that they're wondering what's gonna happen. If, if there's dramatic questions and you're opening a lot of brackets that the audience assumes will be closed later in the software code, uh, you're creating tension. And so you need to get your pacing working in writing, in storyboarding, and in the shoot. Uh, and yeah, hopefully you're not solving the problem of pacing in the edit. Hopefully hopefully your movie is tense and 
and fast and moves forward because of decisions you already made before you even started spending money. Yeah. So it's a lot of, like you're saying, it's a lot of, you got, you got to think about all these things beforehand before you go into it. But then it was also really nice too, that at the end of each day of shooting, Mike would take that day's footage and bring it right into the edit that, that night immediately. Mm. And we could see, is this working? You know? And so there was never a day of shooting, I think, where Mike wasn't bringing it into the edit immediately after shooting. And I think that really helped. It's not like we did like two weeks of shooting and then we got all this footage and Mike started cutting it. And like, then it was like, Oh damn, this, mm. this isn't working. You know, we're going to have to reshoot a bunch of stuff that, that never really, that never really happened, which was also really helpful. Roland, something else that I love about Hundreds of Beavers is the music. Especially at the start, when your character, we see him as the Applejack um, salesman and that that song, that folk song that was over it, it just hit the right tone. Who wrote that song? Where did you find the song? Was that original or was that did you guys find that somewhere? It was, it's a, I just loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, uh, that's my dad. Wayne, Wayne Tooze, uh wrote and performed that song. He actually uh, also plays... Uh, Ashcroft in our first feature, Lake Michigan Monster. Uh, but yeah, that was all totally original by him. And, uh, you know, just like his other original song he did in the credits, the end credits of Lake Michigan Monster. I mean, the opening of Hundreds of Beavers, he really hit it out of the park and really sets a nice tone. I think you guys need to get together some type of music video or Spotify playlist or something or, or, or a EP release or something to get that song in some of Chris Ryan's compositions um, together because the music in this movie is just fantastic. It really is, especially that opening song that your dad did. It was stuck in my head and it got me in a mood. I was just watching it and like I was just like, you know, I, just, I don't drink and I wanted to have a drink because I felt jovial. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of mood I was in and it really, really did set the tone for it all. So I think you guys really needed to get that that song out there. I mean, you make your dad, I mean, make make your dad internet famous. I think. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really nice of you to say. And, and he would be really happy to hear that. I mean, you know, the, the, from our first feature, dear old captain Seafield, that one's on Spotify and YouTube right now. We're definitely going to get this, uh, this John kayak, uh, song out there as well soon, but mm -hmm. I really like that idea of, you know, maybe who knows? Yeah. Maybe you just re release a vinyl or something of all the original music from beavers. Cause, uh, I know there are some other indies that have done that too, and they've sold very well. So that could yep. be definitely be a venture we look into. Or if you partnered with DeWolf and got all the great library music. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. They put some cool DeWolf audio discs or like um, compilations on the Shaw Brothers sets that Arrow just did with all of the DeWolf music that yeah. was used in those Shaw movies. That's how I first found out about the DeWolf music library where we got a lot of the older recordings was that uh, was a, a Bay Logan commentary on a Harvey Weinstein DVD of a <laughs> movie. All three of those people are probably canceled now. Uh Jackie will always live in, he's fine. Jackie's innocent. <laughs> Jackie's a world oh. citizen. Anyway, that's how we found out about DeWolf and their, uh, yeah, Arrow released our last movie, Lake Michigan Monster, and they did a, yeah. like a soundtrack, two soundtrack discs on those on those Shaw box sets that were really good. No, yeah, I, I love the music in the film and the sound effects as well. Once all the, When all these components come together, guys, and you finally get to watch everything gel, and the performances, the music, the editing, all this stuff you guys have been working on for the last four or five years, and you get to see it. What is your reaction to seeing the film? Because I've talked to different filmmakers. Some filmmakers say, uh, you know, not 100%, I still want to do this, still want to do that, but i got to let it go now. Other people are like, i got to let it go. 
it's out in the world. There's nothing I can do with this. What's what's your approach to when you finish a movie and you put it out there? Well, I think we're, I mean, of course there might be, a, you know, a thing here or there where it's like, yeah, maybe this, we wish we could have done this or changed it. But honestly, uh, we're, I think we're just very proud of the finished product because we've made the exact movie that we wanted to make and put everything that we like about movies into this movie, you know? So, uh, but we see the finished product, like, and so again, this movie took a long time to do. So we were very, like, we, we just worked very hard to make it exactly the kind of product we wanted. So then by the time it was finished, um, we were kind of like, I, we, I think we were just kind of like, I don't know what else to do. If the mm. audience does it like this, well, at least we won't have any regrets because we we did we worked as hard as we could possibly work and put as much love and care as we could into this movie. So <laughs> we we left it all out in the field, yeah. and I don't feel that anything about it was compromised. Yeah, uh, the the premise of the movie itself fit the resources, so we never like ran out of resources and had to compromise. We always were only responsible for this lo-fi look, and uh, within that look, we achieved everything we wanted to. So. Um, I don't know if that sounds arrogant or something, but we were like very proud of all the work everyone put in over a long time. And I, and you should be, you both should be proud really, because I can't talk enough about how much I love hundreds of beavers. And I, I put out on my Twitter as well. And I shared the trailer and I told everyone, if you can watch this movie in the theaters, it's, it's out there now in the U S watch it because number one, we need to get more indie films in cinemas when people need to watch them in cinemas. Okay. And number two, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of sick and tired of people talking about modern cinema, this and that. And I'm like, there are films out there that are available for you to watch that are fantastic. Um, that will, that, and then and like, it's always great for me when I talk to filmmakers like you two and talk about the process and watching your films. It reminds me of just why I like films in the first place. Hundreds of Beavers has that effect on me. It really does. And for everyone else listening, you can go to hundredsofbeavers.com. Uh, right there, you got all the different dates for the roadshow. Um, other there's other there's a nationwide theater theater screenings February nine. Uh, later on in the year, we're going to have a, a, a digital and Blu-ray release. But I encourage everyone to watch this in the cinema because this is a movie that needs to be seen in cinemas. I think it's a movie made for cinemas, and hopefully one day, who knows if it will come out here in Australia. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to watch it uh, when it hits it if it hits the cinema here as well because it's a movie that needs to be seen on the biggest screens possible. And congrats to you two for your film. Um, and best of luck with the with the you know the rest of the roadshow and the and the screenings coming up. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this film. I really do. Thank you so much, Matthew. Your kindness in this coverage is uh, puts a lot of wind in our sails to make uh, more fun movies. Thank you.